Well, listen, we're going to continue in our series that we've been on. It's a, it's a series that we've been doing based out of the book of Romans. And before we dive into it today, I want to start off with a, an analogy, a story of sorts that I came across a while back. It's a story of a guy who had just recently been wed to his bride. And he was invited, you know, him and his bride are, are invited to, the, to a family gathering from her side. And it just so happens that they're, you know, it, it, everybody in the family's there. So this guy's like really nervous. He's dying and impressed. So he gets there and everybody's asking him questions. He's connecting with everyone. And while the, you know, he's mingling and everything's going on in the festivities, he notices that his wife is walking by him with a pan and she has a ham in it, right? And he notices that the ham has both ends cut off of it. And he's like, he's, it's just bugging him. And he's like, why would you do that to that beautiful ham? Right? And so she's walking by. So he circles back around to her later on because it's just bugging him. He's like, there's no way my wife is going to cook a ham and cut that much off of it. Right? So he goes to his wife. He says, honey, why would you cut the ends of the ham off? She goes, oh, silly. Don't you know that that makes it taste better? And he's like, where'd you get that from? She says, my mother taught me. He goes, no way. So, you know, he's mingling and everything. And a while later, he comes across his mother-in-law and he says, mom. I just got to ask you because this is just driving me nuts. Susie says that you told her that when you cut the ends of the ham off, it makes it taste better. Why would you waste that much of the ham? He goes, oh, you silly goose. That makes it taste so much better. You can just ask my mother. Well, guess what? Just so happens grandma was there, right? So he circles around to grandma and eventually he goes, grandma, Susie says that her mom told her that you taught them that when you cut the ends of the ham off, it makes it taste better. She goes, don't listen to them. They are silly gooses. He says, she, she says to him, we used to cut the ends of the ham off because it didn't fit in the pan. <laughs> now, I'll tell you why I share that with you. You ever hear the saying, don't sweat the small stuff? Isn't it true that sometimes we let small things linger and they eventually become big issues that cause major misunderstandings? Isn't that true? I know we've all been there. Well, in our current series, we've been looking to the book of Romans and the writings inspired by God unto a guy named the Apostle Paul that was written to a church that was in the city of Rome. And there were a lot of issues that were arising in this church. The thing is that while they were creating big problems, they started with small issues that no one was addressing. And so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to them, and he begins to address these little things, these things that were creating great misunderstandings in the church. And these things were all based on their, their beliefs and, and their uh, understanding of the Old Testament law. And so they were trying to, and not only was it the Old Testament law, they were also trying to uh, incorporate these rules that men began to create. And they would say, hey, this is scriptural too. This is from God as well. So it created a lot of problems. And so today we're going to pick up in chapter 14 in the book of Romans. And in this chapter, Paul addresses a difference of opinion concerning dietary practices. It was about food and how it was creating great big problems in the church. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Really, Pastor Jose, we're going to talk about food? We're really going to learn something about food? Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. How many of you can get down on some pig feet? About four of you. How many of you are like, nah, that's not my deal. Go ahead and say, nah, if that's you, nah, nah. What? 
how were you guys raised? That is like child abuse that you weren't exposed to some pork feet. All right, how about some, how about some pig ears? Some pig ears? Huh? No? Uh, some of you are clapping. How many, how many of you are like, nah, you can't say nah, nah, that's not you, nah, nah. How about some cow tongue? Oh, whoa, am I the only one? All right. Uh, absolutely, I definitely get down on some pig ears. How about, how, about, how about some liver? Anybody grow up on some liver? Wow, all right. Now, now let me tell you, let me use this as an example. I want you to see what just happened here. There was a great divide that began to create that was created in this church. And I want you to know that no matter what those differences are in terms of preference of food, it shouldn't create a division in the church. Now, I know that in this, in this scenario, you know, it's not causing any issues amongst us. But it's, and, and I know it sounds absurd to think that people in the church had gotten so religious that they came to believe that what you ate determined if you were acceptable to God. They came to believe that, that, some people were allowed to be a part of the church and some weren't. It's absurd to think, but the reality is that this happened then, and while it might not be food, it's still happening now. It still happens now in the church. These small little things that we allow to linger that become a big problem. And you see, the problem is that it hurts the church. And when we treat, and it doesn't just hurt the church, it hurts people. And when we treat one another in this manner, it leads to drastic results, right? Drastic results that uh, begin uh, with small issues that get exaggerated based on personal convictions. And not only do they hurt people, but listen, they dishonor God. So today I want to talk to you. I want to invite you to join with, with us here, whether you're online or you're here with us in the house. And I want you to lean in to the Word of God. And I invite you to get personal with God and listen to what his word says as we discuss the topic, don't sweat the small stuff. Say that with me. Don't sweat the small stuff. Tell somebody, stop sweating the small stuff. Tell somebody else, why are you sweating the small stuff? Listen, I know some of you are like, I'm not sweating anything. Can we just address the elephant in the room? Every one of us has some sort of bias. That's just the truth. Based on what we see, based upon what we've experienced, for some of us, we're biased about the church, and I don't blame you because you grew up in the church that I grew up in, where they beat you up all the time, and then they told you God loved you, and you struggled to reconcile those two things. And so I want us to turn to Romans chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 1, and I want you to listen in to what God is saying through this guy, Paul, not just to the church in Rome, but to us today. He says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone, uh, someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand and fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. See, for those of you that don't eat pig feet, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. I'm praying for you today. And let me, let me mess around. Let me stop messing around. Verse 5. 
One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats uh, meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to the Lord. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. And so whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let, let, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And so, as I meditated on this, and maybe you noticed this, isn't it interesting that God, through this guy, the Apostle Paul, does not address this issue of whether you should eat or shouldn't eat a food item. He doesn't address that at all. He doesn't address, you know what, you, you can eat that or you can't eat that or you should eat that or you shouldn't eat that. And the reason why he wasn't addressing that was because it wasn't a matter of salvation. It was a matter of preference. But what he does address is crucial. It's the real issue. It was the judgmental attitudes that were developing in the church. There were attitudes that were judgmental that were developing amongst the body of Christ. And the thing is that they were developing around things that weren't even about heresy. It wasn't, it wasn't even anything that, that had anything to do with pointing somebody away from Christ. It wasn't about grave immoralities or blasphemies. They were all about small stuff. But these small things were creating major problems. Which leads me to a point that I want to just kind of use to introduce our conversation today. When we sweat the small stuff, we create bigger problems. When we sweat the small stuff... We create bigger problems. Listen, there are some places where I wouldn't qualify as holy even though my jeans are ripped. I wouldn't qualify. I wouldn't even be invited into that church. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I understand what the scripture tells me, that God does not look upon the outer man, but he looks upon the heart of man. See, I'm not worrying about anybody judging me. You know why? Because I trust in God and I know his word and I let that do the speaking for me. But the truth is that we live in a day and age and we've all been conditioned to some extent where we incorporate our biases, our, our judgments based upon what we see, based upon what we like or what we don't like. There are some places that, there are some places that if we sang the songs that we sang here, it wouldn't be kosher. Because you know what? It gives God no honor. We need to stick to whatever preference of song type. And that's not scriptural. 
And so bigger problems that start off with small stuff that people sweat, they hurt instead of heal. They divide instead of unite. Listen, we push people away from God instead of drawing them closer to God. And what we end up doing inadvertently when we sweat the small stuff is that we lead people into rules instead of a relationship with Jesus. I don't know about you, but if all I'm going to do is go to church for the purpose of hearing about God and being told how I'm supposed to do it, if if I'm just going to step into a robotic existence before God, I don't want it. God doesn't want it. God is relational. And so the thing about it is that these things are wrong and ungodly when we do that. Let me use a couple of examples. There are some places where you're accepted, you're viewed as holy before God or acceptable before God based upon if you put your hair up or you leave it down, ladies. If you wear makeup or you don't. There are places where uh, your dress uh, identifies you before people as one of the saints. There's some places where you're supposed to wear completely white because the scripture alludes to us wearing white robes, right? There are places where, listen, uh, we, we push on people, you know, you look like a Christian or you don't look like a Christian. You talk like a Christian or you don't talk like a Christian. There are some places where it's, we're, we're judging people, that people are judged based upon if you fall short or you don't. And the last time I checked, every one of us makes mistakes. And can I just get real for a moment? Can I just get real for a moment? We live in a day and age where people are being judged whether you wear a mask or you don't. And for some of us, maybe it's because we prefer to hide behind a mask. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about a judgmental heart. And there are some who don't want to wear a mask. And we just expose our, our, our judgmental state before everyone. Now, I know it just got real quiet. But can we really talk about it? Because God saw fit to address this issue in the church. And and, and I think it's so important because if we can't get it together here, then guess what? Our witness is not credible to the world. It, it, It holds no weight. And so in Acts chapter 10, we have record of a time where the apostle Paul was in a city called Joppa. And the scripture records that he was praying. And while he was in this moment of prayer, a vision came to him from the Lord. And in this vision, he saw a large sheet by four corners coming down. And in this sheet were all types of animals. All types of animals, but not just any animals. It was animals that were unacceptable to be eaten by Jewish believers. And so here's what ends up happening. As he's watching this come down, the Lord speaks to him and says to him, Peter, kill, eat. And Peter responds to God and he says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unclean. Right? And so shortly thereafter, as Peter is trying to make sense of this vision, he's come out of it, he's meditating upon this vision, he hears men downstairs from where he's at knocking on the door and calling out and saying, Peter, Peter, we're here. We're sent by Cornelius, the Roman centurion, to come get you. And as he hears this, the scripture says that the Spirit of God speaks to him and says to him, Peter, go with them because I'm sending you to someone and there's 
a purpose that I have in this. I need you to go with them. So Peter does so. He goes with them. And when he arrives there, he finds himself before a Roman centurion. And the scripture records that it wasn't just this Roman centurion, but it was also his entire family and a large crowd of his close friends. Now, this is a Gentile. This is a non-Jew. And according to Jewish law, a, Gentile, a Jewish uh, believer, a Jewish person cannot uh, have relationship nor come into the home of a Gentile. This was their belief. And so when Peter arrives and he comes into this room with all these Gentiles, something happens. Listen to Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Peter says this, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone, I'm going to stress that word, anyone, impure or unclean. That word impure in the Greek speaks of being unholy. The word unclean speaks of something that's foul or putrid. This tells us something. This is where Peter was at before he had this vision. The Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter. One of the early leaders of the church. His mindset was, I cannot associate with these people. He was being judgmental. But I want you to notice the tension that he was navigating. And how he came about uh, to break free from that. Because he was judging Gentiles according to Jewish rules. Listen to what happens after uh, uh, Cornelius, the Roman centurion, tells him what God had told him and how he instructed him to send for Peter. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it starts off by saying, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Listen to what Peter's saying. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of what? All. All. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth uh, uh, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing how many? All, come on, help me out here, people. How many? All who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Peter gets a revelation. God doesn't just want to be good to me. God is interested in being good to everyone. God isn't just interested in breaking, helping me break free from my vices. He's interested in breaking the chains that bind everyone. God isn't just interested in healing me and providing for me. God is interested in healing and providing for everyone. And so you, you see what's happening here. Peter realizes that the recent judgmental attitude he had towards Gentiles was wrong. And he also realizes that he was placing limits on what God wanted to do through him, to him, through him, and to people around him. You know, unless we're talking about something that is outright heresy, unless we're talking about something that literally, we're teaching something that literally draws people away from Christ, like we're telling them, you don't need Jesus. He's not your Savior. You don't need him. Unless we're doing that, then what are we really judging people on? 
It's inconsequential. You know, I'll tell on myself, I, about three years ago, I found myself in an interesting place. We had been in ministry now for about four years as Church at the Bridge. We were in this location. Things were going well. We were continuing to grow. God was opening doors and things were good. And I was one of the opinion back then. I said, I don't have any horror stories when it comes to church. I would get around pastors and they would tell me about all these betrayals and all these church splits and all these things and, and how this person did that. And I would say, man, I've never had that experience. I don't, I don't have a horror story. But around this time, three years ago, I began to feel a certain type of way, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I was feeling like something was off, and I began to speak to the Lord about it, and I began to really seek God, and I was looking to his word, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. I just knew something was off. And then one morning, I wake up to, to a portion of scripture that the Holy Spirit had dropped in my, in my spirit. And it was this one. It's where it says that he who desires friends must first show himself friendly. And at that moment, as I was meditating upon that, I began to see something. I did have a horror story. You see, I was doing ministry, and everything was going well, but I was doing it alone. I was doing it alone. I was practically leading it alone. I was trying things all on my own. And yes, I, we had volunteers and we had people, but it was, it was just me kind of just driving things. And I realized that I was in a horrific state in my life at that moment. And I began to do something that I could never do before that point. I became intentional about relationships. Now, let me tell you what was stopping me from these relationships, because it gets uglier. In my mind, in my heart, I was judging potential relationships with other people in ministry based upon how they preached, how they did things, Maybe I disagreed with some things that they taught, but you know what? It wasn't anything that was going to lead people away from Christ. It was a difference of opinion. It was a different perspective from the scriptures. And I realized my horror story. Man, I'm judging the very body of Christ that's meant to supply my need. I'm limiting the hand of God. Can I tell you, my friends, that we are all guilty of doing that at times. And for some of us, we come and we go. We walk in, we walk out. We, we wave, we do the Christian thing. But could it be that it's because we have our own prejudices? Could it be that we have our own judgments? Because you don't look the way I look, because you don't act the way I act, because I don't feel that I fit, because I feel like you may know more or you may know less or, you know, I'm this person and you're that person or I look this way and you look that way or you act this way and I act that way. You wear suits, you wear ripped jeans. Could it be that we're judging each other based upon what we see outwardly? And I submit to you that that's ungodly. I submit to you that that's unscriptural. I submit to you it needs to stop. Last time I checked, none of us have it together. Isn't that true? So, hey, if I don't fit the bill of what you think a pastor should look like, forgive me that I don't act the way you act, that I don't function the way you think things should function. 
I'm just trying to follow Jesus. And I recognize that so are you. So are you. And so, look, in my case, these were small matters, but in the grand scheme of something greater, I was missing what God wanted to do in me. Can I tell you today, fast forward three years, I am in probably the healthiest place that I've been in. I am surrounded by, me and Pastor Net. we are surrounded by men and women of God. Not just here in the body, because look, we value you too, and we, we draw from you, and we attempt to add to you in every way possible. But let me tell you something, there's nothing like being surrounded with people that are walking that path that you're in. And you may not understand this, but there are certain things that we just have to walk through, and we need that counsel. We need that guidance. We need that support. And you know what? Not only are we gleaning from other pastors, we're now pouring into other pastors. We're now helping other ministries. Church at the Bridge, you may not know, but you are supporting other pastors. You are helping other pastors. And when you help a pastor, you help a ministry. When you help a ministry, you help a community. When you help a community, you're in the midst of a move of God. So for the next couple of moments that I have here, I just want to share with you a couple of things about getting past the small stuff. The first one that I want to share with you is that when we lock in on the small stuff, we lock out what's most important. When we lock in on the small stuff, we lock out what's most important. Listen to Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, the central Point, the most important factor to our faith and to our function as the children of God is that we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we confess, we profess, not just with our mouth, but with our lives that we serve him. Everything else outside of that is disputable. It's disputable. It's disputable. Now, look, I'm not advocating here that we, you know, we just do whatever we want. There's room for iron sharpening iron and helping one another. But I want us to be realistic and true to, in our hearts to ourselves that sometimes we judge the body for something that they're doing and we don't realize what we're doing. We're just as much in the wrong. It just looks different. Just looks different. See, so can I give you a piece of advice? The one thing that joins us as a body is belief in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And lives that profess, that confess that he has saved us. That we depend on him. Let me give you a piece of advice. Before you go and exclude someone from what God is doing based on what they look like, what they act like, and the small things that you disagree with or you just dislike, ask yourself this question. Do they believe in Jesus and are they following after him? 
Now, let me just be clear, and I think that we're all experts in this regard. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you don't trip up along the way. Last time I checked, none of us have arrived, right? But we've left. And so we got to be honest about that. And so stop sweating the small stuff. If you're busy looking at people and judging them based upon what they look like or maybe they haven't gotten to where you're at, don't judge them. The second point I want to leave you with here is that when we sweat the small stuff, we stop what God wants to do in his church. Let me say that again. When we sweat the small stuff, we stop what God wants to do in his church. You know, the church is more than a building space. You do know that, right? It's more than a gathering of people. Look, it's more than a center for religious activity. It's more than just a place that we go to on Sundays. You know, the church, in all reality, is a movement. It's a move of God. The, the word for church in the Greek comes from the Greek word ecclesia. The word, ek, or ecclesia. The word ecclesia is a government term. Now, I want you to expand your mind for a moment and envision what I'm telling you here. It literally means called out ones, chosen ones. And this term was used by Greeks to refer primarily to the Senate and other political groups that were chosen by the ruling government. Now, listen to the function. For example, in the Roman Empire, the Senate, the Ecclesia, was like a cabinet in modern-day democracy. The Senate was the powerhouse. It was the engine that drove and brought power and put feet to what was supposed to be done. These individuals were handpicked by the emperor to receive his thoughts, his desires, his passion, and his intentions for the good of all the people. Their job, this ecclesia, was to take the mind of the king and turn it into legislation, to put feet to it so that it can be implemented in the kingdom. In other words, they were to know the mind of the emperor and see that everything he wished was carried out. This is who you are in light of God's kingdom. You are a movement, a body, an entity in the kingdom of God that is intended to convey the kingdom, the power, the truth, the healing, the salvation, the deliverance into a world that needs God. You bring the mind, the heart of God into this world. You are the difference waiting to happen in this world. You are God's ecclesia. Let me tell you something, ecclesia. Let me tell you something, church. When we get past the small stuff and operate as the ecclesia, when we look past our differences and we begin to be of one mind and one accord and we agree on Jesus Christ, we get past the small stuff and we begin to be a movement, a move of God. I believe this with all my heart, church at the bridge. You are a revival busting out of the seams right now. You are a move of God, an undeniable powerhouse in this city, in this region, in this nation, in the world. 
You are the seeds of God's greatness. You are solutions in the making. You are the called out ones conveying and carrying the mind and heart of God. You know, the Apostle Paul was a man who understood this. And Paul was a man who also encountered great resistance to this move of God. That God was effectually working through him and through the people on his team. And so the book of Acts chapter 24 records a time where Paul found himself before the governor Felix, a Roman governor named Felix. And Paul was there, he comes to him in chains, and Paul's having a trial. And he's there by way of accusation of the Jewish, Jewish religious leaders of the day. And their accusation was, hey man, this guy... He's starting up trouble. He's stirring up all, this, all these problems amongst the nation of, of Israel. And guess what? That's becoming your problem, Rome. So you got to do something about this. And so the scripture says that Paul finds himself before this uh, governor. And it was really about small stuff. Now, I am not minimizing Jesus Christ because it was about Jesus. There was nothing small about that. But these people understood that there was a promised Messiah to come. They were just denying him. They saw the signs. They saw the prophecies in the word. They were just denying Jesus. And so listen to their accusation before Felix concerning Paul. Acts 24 verse 5 says this. We have found this man to be a troublemaker. You know what that word troublemaker there means? A pestilence. Spreading disease. Listen to what they're saying. This guy is contagious. He's a threat. By what he's spreading. They say he, they, we've found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene uh, sect. When it talks about him stirring up riots, it's talking about one who sets a move into motion. So watch what they're saying about this guy, Paul. This guy is infecting everyone around him with this Jesus. This guy, Paul, he is stirring up people to such an extent that they are rejecting everything they've known. They're acting like they actually can love God and God loves them. They're having breakthroughs. They're breaking chains and we got to contain them. I'm wondering if there is someone online or in this house today who will wear that title of troublemaker and start stirring up some things in this world and being the difference. When the church starts getting past the small stuff, oh man. Let me tell you something, man. We start shaking some things up. Oh, you're going to ruffle some feathers. People are going to be troubled. It's going to rile them up. But don't you worry, troublemaker. Don't you worry. I'm going to have to do a series on that. That's going to be real good. Don't you worry, troublemaker, because you are in the center of a mighty move of God. Of God. Listen, I am so excited. Tonight we're going to have our trunk or treat. I know you guys heard about it. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Man, we love it. It's great. But, but, but listen to this, Ecclesia. This is more than just about candy. This is more than just about organizations that partner with us. The world comes to us because they want to work with us. 
This was more than just organizations coming and providing information and resources as well as candy to families in need. This is about the people of God taking the lead and stepping out and being the light. And while we're engaging people, you are loving them, you're encouraging them, you're praying for them. Listen, those are the seeds for salvation. Anybody interested in the harvest tonight? Man, listen, if you haven't made plans, come on, that was weak. You could do better than that. Listen, if you haven't made plans, I'm telling you, make plans, cancel your plans. Come tonight, bring your neighbors, bring your kids, bring your kids' friends, bring them out. Let's love them into the kingdom. Let's be the ecclesia and put feet to the move of God in this nation, in this this community, in this world. Amen? Amen? The next point I want to leave you with is that when we sweat the small stuff, we assume a role that is not ours. In addition to Romans 14, Romans 2 verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Let me summarize this for you this way. Paul is saying, you think that you're rightly passing judgment on someone based upon where they're going wrong. Can I give you a piece of advice? Don't judge somebody for an area where they may be in sinfulness at the expense of the fact that you also have some sinful areas in your own life. Don't miss that. Just because they're not doing something wrong like you doesn't mean you're not doing something wrong too. You know, one of the dangers in sweating the small stuff is that we inadvertently begin to act like we are God instead of acting like God. I'm going to say that again because that, that, that merits uh, some, some, some further thought. You got to really chew on that. One of the dangers in sweating the small stuff is that we inadvertently begin to act like we are God instead of acting like God. It's not up to you and me to place judgment. Uh, because in the end, the scripture clearly says we will all bow the knee before God. And if you look at the scriptures, here's clearly what it says. It doesn't say that anyone's going to bow before you and give you an account of their lives. So we got to check that. Now, I get it. Some of you Bible scholars, this is where you're at. You're thinking, you're going, well, doesn't 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and other verses say that we should judge among ourselves? You miss the point. That word judge there, for example, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 5, 12, when Paul talks about judging amongst ourselves, you know what he's literally saying? That word judge there means to uplift, to erect, to help. To benefit someone. So get this. If we're going to rightly judge in the church, guess what it looks like? How can I help you? Let me tell you about what's right about you. Let me tell you what the scripture says about the promise that your life holds. We're not going to tear anyone down. And we're certainly not going to do it here at Church at the Bridge. We're not doing that here. The last point I want to leave you with here today as we come to a close is this. It's that if you're going to sweat the small stuff... Sweat yours. You're gonna, if you're going to sweat the small stuff, sweat yours. For some of us, we can't help it. Like, we're sweating it. Sweat yours. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Listen, if you're going to weigh anyone's actions, put yours on the scales and weigh yours and then act on them. I'm reminded of a, two portions of Scripture. The Scripture says this, that each one of us must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling before God. See, while we are a corporate body, the truth is that we also have an individual accountability to the Lord. Corporately and individually. And I want to encourage you to stop sweating the small stuff that you see in somebody else. Because while you're doing that, you're missing the bigger problem you're creating for yourself. You're conditioning yourself to be judgmental. As we stand here and come to a close, I want to leave you with one more portion of scripture. It's not in our notes. But you know, the Song of Solomon was a portion of scripture that was inspired unto a guy named Solomon by the Lord. And it's a poetic song. It's, it's a beautiful song. And it tells of a love story between a man and a woman. And at some point there comes a break. And then they reunite. But this song, this poem, this story is really a depiction of God's love for his people. And how he longs for them. And how we come back into that personal relationship with the Lord. And in Song of Solomon's chapter 2, I believe it's verse 15. Solomon says something so pivotal. God instructs him to pen this lyric in this song. He says, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that threaten to spoil the vineyard. Now I want to I expound on that a little bit. Because Jesus said in John 15 that we didn't choose him, but that he chose us and that he appointed us to bear much fruit, fruit that will last. In John 10, Jesus goes on to say that he came to give us life in abundance, more abundantly. And so you see, you are destined to bear much fruit. But notice what Solomon says, or should I say God says through Solomon in Song of Solomon chapter 2. He says, catch for us the foxes. See, we all have foxes, but it's up to you and I to make the decision to catch them. Why? Because they threaten the fruit of the promise that God has for our lives. And my friend, if you're going to sweat anything, sweat yours by doing something in response to God's word about those foxes. Because see, if you do it, and I do it, and you do it, and you guys do it and we do it, then guess what? When we gather together, what we have is a powerful move of God. Of people who love the Lord and love one another, we're not judging each other, we're building each other, we're not sweating the small stuff, we're, we're moving towards that which is bigger and greater. We are interested in making a difference in this world. Is there anyone in this house today that can praise God and can say, call me as one of those, I am an ecclesia. I am a move of God. I will go. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. 
I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.